The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Asalaamu Alaikum, you're listening to Inspire FM. Uh, this is Friday Night Live. My name is Zafar Iqbal. Uh, today is 14th of June. Um, apologies for the late start in Friday Night Live, Friday Night Live today. Um, inshallah, we endeavor to continue to broadcast from 6 to 8 every Friday. But today we had to make, make an exception. Apologies for that. Uh, and just like uh, previous, uh, I guess, episodes, previous sessions, uh, we intend to talk about current issues, current affairs, uh, locally, internationally, uh, and nationally, uh, whichever is relevant to uh, our listeners. So, uh, welcome to our listeners, I guess, in Luton, uh, and our listeners in Peterborough through Radio Salam and Link FM uh, in Sheffield, and globally, if you're listening through our website, welcome. You're listening to uh, Inspire FM. This is Friday Night Live. Uh, today, uh, we're going to talk about... Um, uh, the well, we're going to talk about events in, in Pakistan. There's lots happening in Pakistan. There's been, been people have been arrested on, on graft charges, and there's been people arrested on on other criminal related uh, activities. Uh, and there's lots of lots of chatter around the uh, the current government um, and what it's doing and whether it's it's actually in control and doing the right thing. There's also budgetary pressures. So the bu- budget in in Pakistan was was announced, uh, and uh, you know there are there are lots of I guess highlights from the budget, uh, which we will discuss uh, a little bit later. Uh, with our correspondent in Pakistan. He happens to be Usman Zahid. He's the BBC Pakistan producer. We will introduce him in a minute, inshallah. Uh, Then at 7 o'clock, we will be talking about Grenfell, a second anniversary. Now, this is the the fire that took place in in Grenfell in in London, uh, which took lives of uh, 72-plus people um uh, and actually shocked the nation in terms of uh, in terms of the lack of or the ability to do anything about it the people watched people die uh, in that fire so we're going to be talking to representatives of a few organizations who have been involved in representing the people uh, of Grenfell or the victims or uh, relatives of the victims uh, of Grenfell uh, and we will also speak to somebody from from Al-Mannar the masjid close by which played a prominent role uh, in the, uh, the events. Uh, at 7.30, uh, inshallah, we're, we're going to talk about, uh, well, the ongoing protest, protests in Birmingham regarding SRE and education of, of children uh, under the age of, or primary edu- education level, uh, about sexual matters relating to same sex, etc. So that's at 7.30. Uh, we're going to move straight on to our top item of discussion today. I have with me uh, Usman Zahid. Uh, he's live from Pakistan. Asalaamu Alaikum, Usman. Wa Alaikum Asalaam. Yes, sir. How are you? Alhamdulillah and shukriya. Thank you very much for joining us. I know it's late in Pakistan at the moment. No, it's fine. It's ten thirty. Inshallah. Okay, that's that's not too bad then. Okay, uh, so there's been lots happening. Yeah. Uh, if if you uh, looked at the newspapers uh, and what they wrote about what's happening in Pakistan, there's there's lots of headlines. Uh, and I guess the key headline is the former president of Pakistan, uh, Asif Ali Zardari, has been arrested uh, on charges 
of corruption and money laundering. That's been the headlines in a lot of newspapers uh, in the UK. Uh, perhaps you can give us a little bit, a little bit of a background on this, uh, and and I guess the key question is, what's the feeling like in in Pakistan? What what's the general public in Pakistan feel about the arrests? Uh, yes, uh, you know, since uh, uh, Mr. Zardari, who is the former president and he's a co-chairman of Pakistan People's Party, since uh, he was arrested last uh, Tuesday, so you know. I mean, initially, I think the, uh, you know, when it was election going on and when there was a lot of uh, people's party had uh, like a majority in upper house and, uh, you know, they are politically very active. And before the election scenario I'm talking about, at yeah. that time, actually, you know, these cases, since this case is going on since 2015. Oh, this so, is not, this, so know, this is not yeah, a new case then? Made, no, 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 it's not a new case, and it's going on since uh, uh, Nawaz Sharif government was in the, oh, okay. uh, in the office. So, yeah, so, you know, it was going on, and they, they formed a joint investigation team to investigate this fake account thing, and they found a lot of uh, kind of uh, mishandling in terms of, you know, transaction, and, you know, a lot of uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, what they say is a corruption kind of thing in these uh, transactions. So... The whole thing was going on, and you know, this uh, NAB was still investigating that matters, and uh, you know, for some political reason and some other matters, because uh, they were like politically very strong, it was not easy to arrest the man leadership because there was fear of public anger, public on streets. So that was the situation. But now, when uh, basically People's Party was uh, felt that they have no, you know. Not many people will come out, or maybe you know. This was overall feeling that it's uh, if they arrest the leadership now, so nothing will happen. And exactly, there was uh, you know this idea was right, and uh, we didn't see any big protest and any big kind of uh, you know opposition from on the street or anything. So okay. they tried to uh, motivate the crowd, but nothing happened in terms of reaction of the arrest. Okay, so so this is an ongoing case. It's been going on for at least four years, uh, and and I guess the yeah. evidence has been evidence has been there for a while. But the accountability, uh, uh, I guess, watchdog in the UK, um, so in, in in Pakistan, couldn't do anything because they feared a backlash. But now, I guess the the backlash, the 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 prospects of ba- backlash have receded a little bit, so they've actually moved. So this is nothing to do with the current government then. Uh, we can say, I mean, you know, the thing is basically to avoid any kind of, uh, you know, public uh, anger. Yeah. Well, this uh, Imran Khan government has seen this case was uh, initially, you know, initiated by the last government with nothing to do, we don't control the national bureau. It's all basically independent. But, you know, when we see the our situation, whatever is happening now, all it's uh, unfolding on a basis here, there are a lot of, uh, you know, kind of economic challenges here, like uh, political stability, you know, not there. And, you know, government is, uh, can't run the parliament. Prime Minister is under a lot of criticism because of his, he hasn't fulfilled any promises. So, you know, there's a big field, and analysts believe that to divert attention from these bigger issues, the dollar rate has gone too high. Yeah. Rupees is devalued, inflation is so high, and the electricity, gas prices are going to shoot up like a recorded high level. 
so to avoid all sort of criticism Mm. They made this arrest to just, you know, the timing is also very important because it's happened just a day before the election. Right. Uh, sorry, sorry, before the before the budget, budget, uh, mm-hmm. the federal budget. Yeah. So, you know, everyone was talking about this arrest because all the media, the top line was, Zardari's arrest, not the budget. So there's a very, you know, uh, majority so, is feeling that this arrest and timing of the arrest is really questionable, like why now? Right. Okay. So, so it throws a question in terms of, in terms of the, the, the political involvement, I guess, in, in a legal process. Uh, but surely people must see that this man, you know, he's he's benefited a lot from from uh, underhand and corrupt practices. He, I mean, I'm, I've seen a, a headline in the UK in the in the Daily Mail, which has been circulated, uh, where he's actually shaking hands with uh, the then Prime Minister of the UK, David Cameron, and I think the headlines say. Cameron, you know, count your fingers afterwards uh, because, you know, when you shake hands with Mr. 10% or yeah. something along those lines. Uh, so so it's, it sounds like an internationally, you know, this man has a reputation. And yet there's, there's still criticism of a government who's trying its best to try and put him away. Uh, is, 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 is the political class oblivious to these type of things or are they just playing politics? Uh, you know, this is. You're right that uh, Zardari, Mr. Zardari, has always, uh, you know, questionable reputation. I mean, yeah. he spent like uh, 12 years in jail, overall, like uh, in the past. I mean, the, these cases were also initiated and investigated by the Sam Accountability Bureau. Yeah. And uh, he was like from door court. He was been convicted, and later on, he was acquitted by the, by, you know, higher courts, etc. So it's you know now people are like. Uh, they don't believe on this sort of, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, court uh, court uh, verdicts, etc. You know, they feel that these all things are politically motivated. Their timings, their the way they deal, and they prolong the cases just to uh, victimize their political opponents. And you know, although this Zardari's credibility is very much, uh, you know, always in question. But at the same time, people are also questioning about the timing and the the, the political mm. victimization. But isn't that like everybody believes that it's uh, yeah? It's, it's a sad state of affairs, right? That the fact that people are more concerned about what the politician might be doing rather than putting a criminal away. Isn't that isn't that an indictment of the fact that people have got their moral compasses? Uh, I think somehow not pointing in the right direction. You know what? Actually, you know, uh, if you look at the things practically, yeah, Zardari is in jail. Yeah, Nawaz Sharif is in jail. Yeah, and uh, like there is hardly any challenge now for the the Imran Khan government. Okay, but still, uh, they they are hardly doing anything to 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 address the people's uh, general issues. You know, the poverty and the, like education, health. There is hardly any any measures uh, taken to address these issues. So the whole thing is about basically people now questioning, let's say, if you are putting these people in jail mm. and, uh, you know, you have to, uh, you know, kind of to accommodate accommodate these people in jail, you have to make a VIP arrangements for them. Like you have, once you bring them in the court, you have to deploy a lot of security for them and you have to, you know, spend a lot of more money to prove cases against them, to, mm-hmm. to basically to uh, prosecute them. So... There's so much uh, expense going on on this uh, whole this system. So at the end of the day, how much are you going to recover from them? And from Nawashri, how much you recovered so far? I mean, through all this, uh, mm. uh, you know, 
uh, overall this uh, court procedures lawyer fees and you know all the uh, coming on to jails and etc i mean if it's not political have you done any reasonable uh, prosecution which proved anything against them because they come up and say okay look you haven't proved anything we haven't uh, court even says that uh, we didn't find any proof of uh, Mm. financial corruption against these people so you know once the government change or once government need these people they immediately they get bail and they come out and you know just change their tone and try and try to you know back to normal again so this people that's why i'm saying that yeah people are not believing on this uh, you know whole this justice procedure mm. and what all kind of things happening around these days but but surely they, they must they must want some some uh, you know people who are corrupt people who are you know uh laundering money the, the public must want some action taken against him right you know the biggest slogan of the imran khan government was to accountability yeah. and he will uh, you know to end the corruption in this country and now we see there are a lot of news coming you know his people are involved like as well but mm. uh, you know this national accountability bureau they are not as strict as uh, they are against the these uh, political opponents So like but, but I think I think from what you from slogan is from what from what you're saying it was like during the Nawaz Sharif's tenure even though Zardari was being investigated they they were pretty soft on him as well they kind of let, let it go and let it you know simmer away you know they had an agreement they call it charter of democracy they signed in which they said that we will not uh, more you know initiate any political kind of uh, you know cases against each other and we'll try to you know um, mm. end this uh, Uh, putting each other people into prison you know on just uh, these uh, politically motivated cases so they had sort of deal so now imran khan and the i mean is openly claimed that i mean this, these two uh, parties are corrupt basically they don't want to any accountability and they are basically just taking turns after one as each other mm. so we are here we'll come back we'll end this corruption and we'll bring some uh, purely you know this uh, riyasat madina style uh, government everything so they promised a lot of things and uh, since now like 10 months in power yeah. and uh, nobody is uh, believing like their claims and they hardly deliver anything which they promised in mm. the election campaign and like in the whole this uh, last year yeah so i i guess if i was to ask a, a fair question uh, you could you could i guess compare the previous government to this government and say what well, what did the previous government achieve in 10 10 months and then that would give you i guess a more more fair answer right uh well you know these people basically uh, one thing we must say that the pti government mm. most of the uh, you know they are people like uh, though they are now on key position they are not uh, elected one but they are like oh. you can say like they are technocrats like uh, finance minister and uh, uh, some other important people like interior minister and they are like uh, you know hand picked by some you know Uh, after some agreement because you know their elected people are not controlling this everything here mm-hmm. so you know it's difficult to uh, kind of uh, compare uh, make and compare and again i must say that the pm and npa and people's party they had uh, like you know three, they took three turns and uh, they were like uh, in terms of uh, you know expertise and managing overall things and they were like uh, at least they were uh, you know they were understanding the situation better mm. you know i can give you one example like uh, during his hakdar time they were very quick to go to deal with imf from this time within weeks and they finalized the deal and we got this uh, bailout uh, package from uh, imf but hence, here we are watching now 10 months now daily they are talking about deal 
Today, uh, if you see the headline in Pakistan that uh, U.S. is putting more pressure, asking Pakistan, uh, sorry, putting pressure on IMF to make sure that Pakistan, uh, you know, kind of uh, goes into all kind of reforms before taking this bailout. They have to go to, you know, health sector and more taxation and all sort of, you know, uh, measures. If they ensure those measures, then they should get this bailout. Otherwise, uh, you know, uh, you know, they should not be given this IMF uh, package. So, you know, they were uh, these, <laughs> this team of Imran Khan, the economic team, they are like clueless what to do now. I mean, basically, they brought this Hafiz Sheikh as a finance minister, uh, but uh, still, I mean, he is still, you know, kind of into a very initial phase, and they haven't sorted out this economy mm-hmm. because uh, it's a daily worsening situation in economy. Today, actually, this uh, if you can you imagine today, dollar increased like more than four rupees today mm-hmm. in one day. And it's reached 158 rupees uh, for one dollar today, mm. so which is alarming because uh, you know nobody has any control over things. Yeah, so, so I, I guess I think if you, I'm not an economist, right? But I think uh, the people who who are likely to suffer from from a, a devaluation of rupee are people who rely on importing lots of high end technology type of uh, equipment in Pakistan. So not necessarily affecting the masses in Pakistan as much because they're, they're operating rupees. So I guess that the key people who are going to lose are people who got lots of big investments, right, in, in different places, right? And they're going to, they're not going to get as much, as much back as perhaps they, they're looking for. But anyway, I mean, that's, that's a, a slightly different, uh, different question. Uh, I, I guess I wanted to move on to, I mean, you so touched... One, one thing I must say. Yeah. Sorry, one last thing I want to say. I mean, this you know, this overall thing uh, during the past government, which is uh, that's why the country is suffering, is uh, uncertainty. Hmm. This, uh, government, this government is unable to, you know, give you kind of full and final kind of, uh, you know, kind of policy that this is what we are trying to, uh, trying to implement. So to end the uncertainty, that's a big reason for this, you know, their failure, you can say the unpopularity for this. So uh, once they finish that, I think then they will start moving ahead. Sure. Okay. So I guess back to Zardari, uh, I guess the question is, is, you know, he's probably going to go in jail. What impact will that have? Will that reform him? Will the government get his money back? What's what's the likely outcome? Yes, if they get uh, you know uh, money back, especially the one which is mentioned in the fake accounts. Basically, there were 29 fake accounts which were used to launder money into foreign accounts and etc. That was the initial case. Yeah, and uh, they are like I think they just opened up three or four cases, and they haven't yet to uh, investigate the other other accounts. So if they manage, like, which is a big if, if they manage to bring back that money or a fraction of that money back to a hand, they prove that, okay, this is what we got now after, you know, putting him in the jail, then it will be convincing, and then people will believe, okay, so genuine accountability has been done. But if they just... uh, you know, waste time and put him for six months and bring him back after, you know, do some kind of political meal and deal. And, you know, then people will who already don't believe on this uh, accountability, they will lose all hopes, basically. And right. it will be, uh, it will, again, not good for the country and, uh, you know, overall. Okay, so, well. so, so I, I guess that the key, key summary of this is that people do want accountability. They do want this person held to, to account. Yeah. 
but uh, they suspect that, that this process isn't going to deliver what they're after, which is they want the money back, effectively. Uh, and putting him in jail you know, may sort of make him upset a little bit, but uh, the, the true satisfaction will come when, when the looted money comes back. Okay, uh, so yeah. just just wanted to move on a little bit. So I guess his, his sister has been um, arrested uh, today as well. I hear. Be, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, a strange thing I noticed in, in the newspaper, which is that that she's actually been arrested, but the house, there's a dirty house, has been turned into a oh, jail, yeah. which is a bit, which is a bit odd, oh, I yeah. guess. So they're not actually been sent to jail. They they made the house into a jail, right? Uh, yes, because they issued a statement. I mean, NAB issued a statement. They said that uh, since she's a woman and uh, in view of uh, her self-respect and all that, I mean, the, we just made the, her house as a jail, you know, kind of with status. Uh, give it to is, is that, is that so, a common thing I mean, for, for common man in, in Pakistan as well, or is it just... Uh, re- no, no, not at all. And uh, basically that's why people thinking that, you know, to put these people behind bars, it's not like it's just an ordinary man who can just, uh, you know, arrest him and put him because they have to make a lot of arrangement. I mean, we are, we've been hearing before Eid and during Ramadan that they are preparing a room, special room for Dardari in the jail. <laughs> and uh, there was like so much arrangement, like uh, AC being installed, like uh, people are here, there to serve him and he can order like food of his choice. Okay. I mean, he has a dedicated cook, etc. So, you know, people are questioning what's the point of putting him in the jail if you are have to spend more money mm. on him. So, and I mean, the once you, I mean, I'll tell you, I have noticed so many times when they bring him to court for the hearing. So they deploy like uh, hundreds of uh, policemen and uh, paramilitary just for his security. They close the main highway and, uh, you know, just for his protocol. And uh, there's so much uh, wasted on his uh, all, you know, court procedure. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, nobody knows what is, what is going to be the uh, result, basically. The, will they really going to bring back his looted money or corruption will be ends? Or there's hardly anything. Nobody has answer of this. Okay, so I guess uh, one other question related to this these kind of arrests uh, is that Altaf Hussain in the UK has been arrested. Now the timing is interesting because, like you're saying, um, has it been coordinated with Pakistan or is that an independent thing? That it just happens to be that he, got, he gets arrested more or less at the same time as Zardari. Uh, I mean, it's nothing to do with Zardari, but uh, everyone believes here. But uh, timing is, of course, yeah, that is interesting timing because uh, the time when everyone was <laughs> getting difficult time here and, uh, you know, uh, uh, sorry, Altaf was arrested. And because, you know, again, we have to look at the background because this uh, hate speech thing mm. was started back in 2016 mm. when Altaf uh, made a speech and after that his party workers went to attack a private TV channel, ARY, and they killed one person there. And mm. uh, nobody knew how, who killed, but I mean, the, the person who got killed, for some, and nobody has clue how he was died. But again, mostly uh, people believe that it was maybe because of that uh, overall okay. reaction. Okay, so, 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 so the, I... The, the, I mean, but... Yeah, please. So I, I was just going to say, I mean, does, does he still uh, have a power base in Pakistan, or is, is he a has-been? Is he... 
Is he an uh, an old sort of? Uh, uh, no, basically uh, they didn't contest the election. I think they have, their party is even not registered with the Election Commission of Pakistan. Right. They have MQM Pakistan, and mostly that those people who are in his party uh, before, and now they made. I mean, there's this fraction of two fraction. One is MQM London, and one MQM Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And uh, the MQM Pakistan, they have like. Or six or seven MPs, and they are in alliance with the PTI in this government. But uh, there was no reaction, uh, unlike uh, in the past. There was hardly any kind of reaction in Pakistan. Uh, Karachi was totally calm, and uh, you know nothing has uh, uh, come up in terms of uh, reaction of his arrest. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, the UK justice system, people are also questioning that why it took... Uh, Six years to establish that. Oh, that was a hate mm. speech, and it resulted into some violence. Yes. So, a lot of questions we now ask about this: that why timing now, why it's uh, done now, and what will be next uh, about okay, this now. So, so, there might be some, some, uh, I guess, some, some connections or discussions or some evidence or whatever that was timed in a particular way, so that that the arrest could could take place. Okay, so go back about a minute or so. One just final comment, uh, just on the budget headline. What's the most painful thing like that that uh, has been included as part of this budget? Uh, well, uh, if you ask me, because, you know, this time after, uh, you know, but I haven't noticed so many budgets, but this time we have this, uh, there's uh, no change in defence budget. That's uh, one good thing. I mean, I'm not sure why, but it was like, uh, I think, uh, as the uh, official says that it was volunteered by the army, they said we not in current situation, economic crisis, army will not take uh, any right. additional budget. And uh, the next thing is, which is uh, worrying. I'll, I'll have to, like I'll have to stop you there, there, there uh, Zaid Sab, because I've run out of time. Thank you very much, Shukriya. Jazakallah for, for your contribution today. Uh, perhaps we'll talk again another You're time. You're welcome. Right, You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamualaikum, welcome back. You're listening to Inspire FM. This is Friday Night Live. My name is Safar Iqbal. And before the break, uh, we were talking about the... uh, I guess the happenings in Pakistan, arrests uh, of the former president of Pakistan on, on graft money laundering charges. Uh, and we heard from Zahid, uh, Us- Usman Zahid uh, from Pakistan. He's from BBC. He's a BBC producer from Pakistan. He was telling us about the situation on the ground. Uh, and the summary of it was basically that people would be very happy to see this guy fork out, you know, fork out some money and, and pay it back. Uh, interestingly enough, I did read another article uh, just now uh, in, in, the, in one of the Pakistani newspapers in which the, uh, the Sindh government, in which Zardari's party, the PPP, is in power, uh, and the highlights uh, of their budget, I guess, is that they have given a, a blanket 15% uh, increase in salaries right, and pensions for all government employees. Uh, this is in the background of, of uh, basically, um, you know, cuts effectively nationally to try and reduce the the reduce the sort of uh, 
um, budget deficit, uh, deficit, etc. So the Sindh government is is actually raised uh, their salaries for the government employees by fifteen percent. And and the thought did occur to me, uh, maybe Zardari has actually plowed some of his money back and, and paid the government employees. <laughs> maybe that's where the money's come back from. But don't know. Anyway, he's is in in jail, and apparently his his, his sister is in a quote unquote jail in the sense that her their house has been converted into a jail. <laughs> Anyway, I think people want justice, right? But they don't believe that that is being served at the moment. I think that's the headline from from the discussion uh, we've had. I think there was some element of using this event, uh, the the budget, sorry, this kind of arrest to to basically cover up the the budget, a tough budget, basically looking uh, to balance the books um, uh, in Pakistan. Anyway, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to a slightly different topic. Uh, We're going to move on to... Uh, remembering Grenfell, the second anniversary of, of uh, Grenfell fire, uh, which took place basically a couple of years ago, and and uh, uh, a tower block in London was, uh, if you remember, uh, set ablaze or it caught fire, and the cause of the fire really was was some electrical equipment, uh, fridge freezer caused the fire, but um, it transpires from further. Uh, I guess investigation since then uh, that the fire became out of control because of um, because of the cladding etc. That's what's been suspected, uh, and the fire basically took out uh, a lot of the the top towers um, off uh, the tower block. And what I remember the harrowing scenes that I can remember of the event release really is, is that uh, people basically you know the the tower block was on fire. The equipment the fire people had, uh, well, it didn't look to me, at least anywhere from television pics, that was sufficient, or they could actually reach um, the the fire. So people were effectively allowed to die, and then some of them were actually in conversation with their relatives while they were inside, stuck. In, and whenever I think about that, it kind of brings emotions. Uh, anyway, we're, we're going to talk about that uh, event uh, uh, a little bit more. I have in the studio Amr Azam, and he's a volunteer uh, at the Al Manar Masjid, and, and he has some connection uh, with uh, uh, with uh, Grenfell. And also, I have Zita Holborn, uh, who is the national chair of Barak UK, uh, which is part of the BME Lawyers for Grenfell. Uh, organization. Welcome, Zita. Welcome to Inspire FM. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me today on, on Friday Night Live. Uh, and I guess I just wanted to catch your reaction. It's two years since the fire. What's the what's the feeling and what's the mood? I guess uh, in the circles that that you've been uh, you've been involved. Okay. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that I'm right at um, Grenfell Tower now at the um, Notting Hill Methodist Church where they're broadcasting the laying of the reefs on screens. Um, and it's just before the silent walk. So a lot of people have come out here today to pay their respects. There's a silent walk on the 14th of every month. But of course, this is the two-year anniversary. I think people are quite frustrated mm-hmm. with the pace that things are taking. We've heard that, you know, the second part of the inquiry is going to be suspended until next year. And you're really talking about people having to put their lives on hold, you know, for, for several years. Um, so it's, it's, 
it's still really, really painful for those who are directly impacted, mm. whether that be um, survivors, the family members of the 72 that uh, died, um, or the local community. And people want justice, they want answers. There are still people that are in temporary accommodation and even hotels mm. um, that haven't been permanently home. And it's, it's, um, it's a community that's still grieving, but also quite angry that no action two years later has really been taken to ensure that another fire like this is prevented by removing cladding um, from buildings like Grenfell Tower. We've just seen a, a fire take place just last week in a, a block of flats in um, in Barking, which is, a, you know, thankfully nobody was seriously injured and nobody died. Mm. Um, but, it, it's you know, people are not happy with the way things are going. Their lives are in limbo. Right. So it's, it's, it's quite shocking to see that people are still haven't, haven't found permanent accommodation two, two years on. What's, what's behind that? Uh, is it because they want to remain within that area or is, is there is it bigger? There's really no excuse for it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the local authority ought to have pulled out all the stocks yeah. and made it possible for people to be accommodated. In two years, you could build brand new housing if you couldn't find, mm. um, you know, housing that was appropriate and fit for purpose. Now, people have different needs in terms of housing. Some people want to stay right here in their community sure. amongst their family and friends. Their children go to school in the local area. They don't want to have to move miles away and be isolated mm. in the middle of nowhere. Other people, you know, find it very painful and want to go somewhere else. And some people I've spoken to who took temporary housing, you know, because staying in a hotel for such a long period of time is horrendous, as you yes, can imagine. Yes, of course, yeah. They feel that they've just been discarded and forgotten about in terms of permanent housing, which I believe is the reason why some people have held out and refused to go into temporary housing, because they feared exactly what has happened to some people that went in temporary housing would happen to them. Wow, and, and, and to be honest, I think if you, when you look at the television, uh, I guess pictures, you have royalties, you have you know senior government officials, uh, you know remembering and marking and and, and paying, I, I guess tribute uh, to, to the I guess the survivors etc. And you kind of think things are under control, but, but what you're saying is is that's far from the truth. People are still not in accommodation. This is truly tragic. <laughs> And it's not just the accommodation that's an issue. Of course, you want answers and you want justice and you want a conclusion and you want somebody to be held accountable for what's happened. And that's why there's even been um, a legal challenge in America against some of the companies involved because effectively people have to wait for the conclusion of the public inquiry. And then if that doesn't um, you know, satisfy their needs in terms of serving justice, in terms of the recommendations that come out, out of that, um, then, you know, they may have to or they may want to take up legal proceedings on an individual basis. And, of course, that can take years. Mm. So, really, it's sort of stripped people of their lives. And on top of that, many people are grieving mm. as well and having to deal with the pain of, of, of loss of their dearest loved ones and having to contend with that. You know, it has an impact on mental health, physical health, well-being. It impacts on every aspect of your life. So t tell me, what, what are some of the factors which are, I guess, blocking or holding back 
some of the, 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 the key things that you mentioned now. Is it administrative uh, or is there resistance? Well, the, the public inquiry is happening, and obviously mm. the first stage has happened. Um, but in terms of the, they're, they're citing the government that the quantity of evidence that they have to work through mm. um, means that it's going to take some time. Now, whilst you'd want them to be robust, and thorough and explore and investigate every aspect of everything, you know, you wouldn't expect it to be dragged out in this way and take such a long period. Um, but we, you know, we know from Hillsborough how long those, those families yeah, yeah. have been, uh, you know, waiting for justice and fighting for justice, not waiting, but they've actually had to fight for justice. Some of them were children who lost their parents. You know, at the time, and have spent dedicated their entire lives, and that's really not right, is it? They've already gone through so much pain Absolutely. and so much injustice. To have to then spend your life fighting for justice is really not the way things should work in life. Right. So, so tell, tell us what, what organisations like yourself uh, are doing uh, to actually assist. Um, that I guess the the relatives of the victims, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, BME lawyers for Grenfell was established to, um, uh, made up of a number of organizations, Society of Black Lawyers, Muslim Nation, Law Societies, Black Dots, my organization, Barrack UK, and others, along with the local, you know, local community members who came together to really amplify the voices of um, those that were seeking justice, those who were impacted in Parliament, legally, um, in terms of the wider campaign. Now what you have is a situation where, um, you know, you have Grenfell United, which is made up of people directly impacted who lived in Grenfell Tower, who've lost loved ones, who are really leading that struggle and campaign. So we're here to give solidarity, to give the support where it's needed, to speak out, you know, and amplify those voices where it's needed and to work alongside the local community. But really it's for um, those people, you know, who are at the heart of it to now lead that struggle. And they are indeed leading that struggle. Sure. Okay. So you you touched on a couple of points in terms of how, how I guess you see closure to all this. Uh, what, What would be, what would be the ultimate aim and objective of the entire process to bring this this uh, you know this sad situation to a closure what are the things that they need to happen for it to uh, to, to be sort of later uh, sorry carry on uh, i was going to say that i think on an individual basis for each yeah. family yeah. and each person impacted it's going to be slightly different because sure. you know injustice pain grief sure. impacts on people in different ways i think what people need is answers sure um they need they need somebody held accountable sure okay. you know they need the bodies that are responsible found guilty punished for their crimes to hold their hands up Mm-hmm. and admit the wrongs they did for, of course, uh, lessons to be learned. Sure. But, you know, lives have been taken, lessons to be learned on the basis that this never happens again. You know, that everything that needs to be put in place to ensure that there's never another Grenfell Tower uh, fire mm-hmm. are put in place. And what we've seen so far is really that isn't happening. You okay. know, it's happening at a very slow pace or an erratic pace. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, people need... Um, a safe space 
Uh, and a safe space means that in your heart and mind you can move forward. And I think whilst you, these um, questions go unanswered, while nobody's held accountable, sure. it's difficult for people to move forward and progress with their lives. Effectively, they're in limbo while they wait for this process to conclude. Sure, sure, I understand. And, and the other thing I, uh, which has been in headlines recently is, is court action in America. So t- tell me how yeah. likely is that to succeed and whether, mm-hmm. whether you know, anything is, is likely to come out of it? I think I'm not qualified to, you know, judge at this stage how successful it will will be. Obviously, litigation is taken very seriously in um, the, the USA, um, and I, I support those who have decided to pursue this route uh, as a a route for seeking justice. But at this early stage, I think it's quite difficult to say, you know, how how well that will go and how long that will take and what the likely outcome will be. Right. Okay. Then are are you or any of of your organizations assisting with that claim in America or is it handled in America by American lawyers? Yes, it's, ha- it's been handled by American lawyers in association, of course, with the lawyers here that are representing the, the families here. Right, okay. But it's been led by, by USA lawyers. Right, uh, Zita, thank you very much for your time. Uh, it's been really good to actually get an update, and, and I wish, I guess, everybody who's, who's there with you today, uh, I guess all our sympathies and our thoughts and our prayers are with you all today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Bye. Right, Amma. So uh, I guess uh, you know that. How did you find that? Is there anything that, that you perhaps wanted to add to what's been said, um, you know, by, by Zita at all? I suppose that my my own particular um, viewpoint on, on it is that I have a connection with the area. I I, I work there uh, in North Kensington uh, on on weekends in a volunteer role, working with the youth in the area. Um, the complexion of the area um, is, you know, very famously the contrasts were made in, we are talking the richest borough in, yes. in London, but the one of the poorest parts of London, North Kensington. <laughs> it's, that that star, star, it's that stark contrast. And 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 uh, along the way, and I, I, yeah, I, I do some work at Al-Manara, and I know we've got a guest coming on from Al-Manara, the, the masjid that helps yes, with yes. The, uh, the, um, the, that, that operation to, to temporary... Rehouse people. It's 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 just stunning that two years on, families are are still you know you know without homes. You know, there were reports early on that families were being homed in, housed temporarily in hotels. Hotel, they could yeah. still they could and see the been tower there for two years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They could see the tower from their hotel rooms. But I, I do see yeah. the dilemma though, and uh, perhaps I, I can bring in uh, Abdul Rahman Said as well. Assalamu uh, alaikum, uh, Abdul Rahman. Salam alaikum, Abdurrahman. Can you are you are you there? Yes, I can hear you very well. Salam alaikum. Uh, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. Uh, you're listening to you're obviously on, on Ins- uh, Inspire FM Friday Night Live. Uh, we had Zita Holborn uh, early on. She was giving a view of the events as they were basically uh, going on today, and also I guess a bit of background and what has, what has happened since since the Grenfell fires. Uh, and and I got in the studio. Uh, uh, Amr Azam, who I think is a volunteer at uh, your organization, is just giving their, their feedback. Yes. And I guess that the point that we, we, we started the discussion was the fact that you you have a dilemma here in that region. It's, it's, it's probably the richest borough, but you've got poor people there, right? And these poor people are housed in tum- temporary housing. And I guess they, in some ways they don't want to leave. And I guess the people who are, you know, rich borough areas, 
you know, to them, this is a prime development land, I guess, isn't it? So it's a, it's a tra- it's, I guess, a, a conflict there. Uh, if they leave, then then leave to, I guess, these these rich people are going to make the most of the tragic event. Uh, but if they stay, they're staying in temporary accommodation in, in miserable conditions. I mean, how how, how do you get over that, I guess, uh, Abdurrahman? Um, I think from what's been uh, said uh, to us so far by the local authority and others, uh, they will keep prioritizing the housing uh, of the uh, former residents of the Greenfield Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also a huge need for a sustainable recovery and healing process sure. that needs to take place. Um, so this is not just about one factor that has affected this community, mm-hmm. but it's a combination of factors uh, that has existed from, of course, uh, issues of poverty and uh, poor social housing mm-hmm. um, to now uh, the added trauma that has been caused by the fire and the loss of uh, loved ones uh, as well as uh, life in, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, we at the civil society sector uh, as faith community um, we've been doing our best uh, in terms of like providing uh, therapeutic counseling uh, with very limited resources and uh, also other uh, initiatives and activities like the uh, kitchen uh, facility that we have, which has been accessed now seven days a week by ladies from uh, the Greenfield community in general. Um, now, these are the sort of things we're trying to do. We have also recently commissioned a think tank, uh, an, an external think tank, to uh, assess and evaluate our own response, uh, response to this uh, crisis and also to draw some lessons. Uh, at the same time, we've been calling and we are still calling on the statutory sector, including the local authority, sure. to do their own critical assessment uh, so they can see where they've done things uh, wrong or where there has been shortcomings so they can address them. Sure. Uh, we fear that without doing it, it might not uh, help uh, address the issue of recovery and healing uh, in an effective manner. Um, this is where we currently are and uh, we do hope to see some tangible uh, results on the ground, uh, both in terms of uh, providing effective help to the community, to the ones who have been affected, Mm -hmm. but at the same time also improving uh, the way we deliver our services, especially from the statutory uh, point of view. Sure. Okay. So so, uh, you represent uh, Al-Manar Masjid. Uh, Can you just tell us, I think just remind us how you got involved uh, uh, and, and how you became, I guess, the, the focus of attention in a lot of these, uh, uh, lot of these sort of, um, um, I, I guess, whenever people sort of talk about Grenfell Tower, Al-Manar Masjid is, is kind of related to that. Tell us how you got involved in um, well, we are a local uh, mosque uh, to the Greenfield community, sure. um, so many people who live in the tower would have had some kind of link to the uh, mosque as well as the, the okay. community center that we run here, mm-hmm. including uh, the one that Amr volunteers in, which has uh, 80 students every Saturday morning wow. who come from the local community, from the North Kensington. So people would have had uh, some form of uh, relationship with us, and uh, the center itself, 
um, is open to both Muslims and non-Muslims, to the wider community. Um, The other thing is at the time of the fire, it was actually on the 19th of Ramadan, Mm. which was the fasting month. We were just uh, finishing the uh, first 20 days, and we were preparing for the final uh, 10 days of the month, Mm. uh, which includes a lot of uh, intensive uh, religious activities like etikaf and so on. Um, So when the fire happened, uh, we had to cancel some of our programs Mm. and uh, use all the facilities we had in the mosque or in the center uh, to provide support to the community. Mm. Um, Also, uh, at the time of of the fire itself, uh, because we had the tarawih prayers, which uh, used to be uh, in the late hours of of the night, uh, so people who were finishing the tarawih prayers were among the first to see the fire and to try to help. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is really how we uh, got involved in the whole um, emergency response uh, initiative or uh, efforts. Mm-hmm. And since then we have become, uh, or the whole issue became uh, an integral part of what we are and what we do. Excellent. Excellent. And I guess you've, you've had lots of recognition as well from, from, I guess, all sorts of different sectors. Alhamdulillah, uh, first of all, we have done whatever we did uh, as a matter of duty uh, sure, that is sure. uh, bestowed upon us both as uh, human beings, sure. as uh, members of the local community, and also as, as Muslims. That's what Allah always calls us to cooperate sure. for what is good indeed uh, to the whole community. Mm-hmm. Um, the most important reward for us, of course, we um, uh, expected from uh, our creator, uh, but in real terms, uh, since the Greenfield fire, we have opened our center uh, to become one uh, of those uh, winter shelters for the homeless. Oh, brilliant. And okay. uh, we've been told that uh, we are one of the first mosques to join uh, the churches and synagogues uh, to offer um, shelter to our homeless uh, guests uh, in the very cold uh, winter season. Brilliant. Alhamdulillah, we have been doing that now on a regular basis. Um, we're also uh, Um, uh, looking at supporting our elderly community, our youth. Um, So we are more outreaching in terms of um, uh, 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 interfaith work. We have uh, become more uh, active uh, and consolidating the partnership that was created in the aftermath of the the fire. Uh, Just yesterday, to give you an example, I was at the St. Francis Church um, Mm. uh, vigil that they've organized inside the church. Uh, Today, uh, the Reverend uh, from the uh, local Methodist church was with us uh, attending the Jum'ah uh, prayer and then uh, addressing our congregation. Uh, Alhamdulillah, this is for us a huge reward that now we have uh, created a strong and resilient uh, community that is very much uh, uh, entrenched in the principles of solidarity and humanity and love. Brilliant. Okay. And in, in, in terms of uh, what you're doing for closure, bringing this, this whole, uh, uh, I guess, tragic event to a close, is there anything that you're doing in support of, of the, the, I guess, the relatives of the, the victims, apart from providing, I guess, the, um, the, the social uh, element of it? I'm more t- talking more about governmental level and representation, etc. 
We have used every avenue and opportunity to raise the concern of our communities with the local authorities as well as the national authorities. Uh, just today we had uh, Minister uh, Nick Hurd um, from the central government who also addressed our congregation after Jum'ah prayer and we gave uh, chances to some of our um, worshippers to come forward and ask questions uh, in relation to Greenfield mm -hmm. recovery process. We've been doing that at every opportunity. The mayor of London was also there. Okay. And uh, yes, we're working on this. Jazakir Hath, thank you very much uh, uh, for, for your contribution, Abdul Rahman. Uh, we really appreciate uh, your commentary on, on the events. It's been really useful. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you for your efforts, inshallah, and, and you, may you continue Ameen. in your good work. Assalamu alaikum. I mean, thank you. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. Well, listen, we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back. I think we're going to carry on with this topic with Amr for a little bit, inshallah, and we'll pick up on, on what else I guess we can, we can do, inshallah. Asalaamu Alaikum. Asalaamu Alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz and you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast. Welcome back. You're listening to Inspire FM. This is Farina Live uh, and I'm Zafar Iqbal. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the two-year anniversary of Grenfell Fire. Uh, we had uh, with us uh, on the line of the Rahman and in the studio, Amr Azam, who was a volunteer at the Al Manar Masjid, where Abdul Rahman is a CEO. Uh, and we were talking about, I guess, the the good work the centre has been doing uh, and how it's actually developed into a uh, a more 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 of a cohesive masjid, uh, you know. Um, church uh, organization as I guess collective to assist the people of the area so uh, I'm going to have a, a quick uh, I guess conversation with Amr because uh, I guess I wanted to I paint a picture of that region I mean it's, it's, it's supposed to be a very rich area but yeah. this this particular block of flat wasn't quite so yeah well the the, the term Grenfell uh, everyone is familiar with now but you know two years ago we'd never heard of this uh, mm. nondescript 1960s tower block in 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 part of w one of the poorest parts of London, but surrounded by uh, the opulence of of, of Kensington and uh, and and the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea, and and here we are uh, two years on, a two year anniversary, and and we I I recall that that evening it was evening it was late at night as Brother Abdul Rahman said where we were we were getting the messages through and and, and uh, that that uh, there was a massive tower fire in. In um, in North Kensington, and it was near to where I am a volunteer at Al Manar uh, Muslim Cultural Heritage Centre, to give it a uh, full title. Um, ironically, the the centre had received some quite unfavourable press in the lead up to, in the year or two leading up to the fire, on a totally different reason to do with, um, you know, ISIS and that sort of thing as well. So there were some uh, salacious headlines from one or two of the red tops. Mm, but mm, it it now is it's a magnificent place that really led by Abdurrahman and the volunteers there. I, I'm just there on, 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 on weekends helping out with the, one of the Saturday schools we have there but it's, it, is, it is a community that's still grieving 72 people men, women and children have, have, have lost their lives and you know, we, we, need to, we need to make sure that those memories mm, of those people mm. are kept alive and it's important that you know, the people are, are held to account for for this the, key, the key thing is if they're not, uh, the legacy of that place might be that there might be a, 
I guess uh, a, 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 de- a, de- a development there, right, yes. which seeks to benefit the very, very people. I guess yeah. uh, uh, you know the, the the very few people that that perhaps you know. I, I'm not sure that the term to use, but yeah, you know, yeah. no, you know, you're, the you're right. You're disappear. right. No, the, the, I mean, uh, it, it is. It is. It was. You know, it was a very, very old tower block and the cladding you exactly know, yes it was very cheap was, cladding in a very expensive area yes yeah and 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 of course in in, in our town luton as well we've got tower blocks that look very very similar and mm. uh, and well you've got new ones po- uh, popping up haven't you right yes. and they do look like they've been clad yes, they? yeah. if you see if you go to the town and you'll, you'll see some of those yeah yeah uh, it's uh, you know the, uh, the you know it's been two years now with the, the prayers and the vigils were being carried out there you know it's had royal attention um you know uh, megan the duchess of Sus- sussex uh, and harry have have been down and they've done their part as well uh but you're right, and Hillsborough was mentioned by one of your guests earlier on. It w- this year was 30 years. April 2019 was 30 years of the Hillsborough disaster, and and yet those families have only recently started to make s- some headway. So Such we don't pity, want to, we don't we don't want to be there, mm. you know, years from now, still thinking, well, why why are we still why are these families still still looking looking for answers? Oh yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, Thirty years—that's a long time, actually, to get get to. Yeah, that. I mean, I I I've no personal connection to Hillsborough. You know, I'm a Liverpool fan. I remember watching that FA Cup semi final in mm-hmm. 1989, and and you know, I'm a volunteer at I don't have any personal connection, but these sort of things sort of stick with you. And 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 people like uh, Abdurrahman and the volunteers at Almanar, and it's it's really really. You know, in, in tragic circumstances, the Dalmanar Center has really, really showcased that what the Muslim community is all about and how we as Muslims make and make that positive contribution. It it flung open its doors. Mm, the mm. if you remember the, the 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 relief effort, it was like something you would expect in a you know in a, you know like we saw with Haiti or with Pakistan floods. The, the the way that people came together, and we know we have friends from Luton. You know, one of our, our presenters, Atik uh, Atik Malik. Uh, you know, I know has been very very supportive of the uh, Grenfell. Uh, uh, lawyers, um, uh, you know uh, the, the the various program activities that they've been put, putting together. So it it is something that uh, you know we 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 need to make sure that we we keep there in, in the forefront of people's memories. Uh, abs- absolutely, and I think w- what I was going to say really is uh, I, I know um, uh, the Rahman touched on this, but but you know it was it was Ramadan at that time and. Yes. Uh, and people are preparing. You know, they were doing the tarawees, and, yes. and people are preparing for the itikaf, etc. Yeah. And then there were stories, and I think some of these stories might have been muffled a little bit. But they were saying a lot of a lot of the masalis went and rescued a lot of people. Yes, they went the, in well, people were returning from tarawee. It was uh, it was around one o'clock in the morning, yeah. and of course there there were so few so videos circulating at the time that if it hadn't, I remember one one lady uh, who who had been involved family. She, I think she may have lost family, but she was saying if it hadn't been for these Muslim lads. You know, so many more people would have perished because the that fire, I think, was on the fourth or fifth floor. It was fairly low down, and the people that did perish are the ones that were higher up. But you know, you dread to think what what the fatality toll and the casualties would have been if it hadn't been for those heroes that went round. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, ra- raising the alarm. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think uh, at some point, I think people were st- stopped, weren't they? The fire people. Stop them from going up to to help them, help the the, the victims. I, I guess because 
you know the flames had split spread yeah. so so widely yeah uh, and the whole tower block was on, on you know, a, a massive blaze. Yeah. I think one one of the, one of one of the things that sticks in in my memory, I I was um, I was doing some reporting for a local for uh, one of the newspapers, um, writing a, a feature piece a couple of weeks after the fire, and I I'm, I it was um, the day after the janaza of three of the victims, and the connection there was uh, with Al Manar was one of the duty officers. By the name of the brother by the name of Hassan, I think he was an Egyptian. He he was in Cairo at the time, and he got a telephone call from mm-hmm. his family to say that you know you, his his wife and his daughters were in in the tower. He he returned, and when, when the bodies were released, he he led the janaza uh, prayer, mm. and it was it was you can imagine there was yeah, not a, yeah. uh, a, a, a dry eye in the house mm. um it, and i i remember speaking to him and uh, about you know i managed to catch a few words that's all that's all really i i i really wanted to ask him about but you know he was absolutely really withdrawn you know he'd lost a, a young family uh, a wife and uh, two beautiful daughters and and it's those sort of personal stories those those ordinary people living in this uh, unknown part of town, really, you know, round the corner is Notting Hill. You know, mm-hmm. if we all know of the movie, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Hugh Grant and Julie Roberts and, and all of that. But, you know, we are talking half a mile away. You know, if you've ever been to Notting Hill, Portobello Road Market, well, Almanar is just round the corner. And Grenfell, Grenfell Tower is just just round the other other side of the Westway overpass. It's, it, it's, it wasn't the prettiest buildings. It was, as I said, developed 50, 50 years ago. Um, there's another tower just like it, the Trellic Tower as well, which is, um, you know, just oh, Al-Munar sits in the shower, shadow of Trellic Tower, mm. uh, which is, I think, slightly larger. And I look at that every Saturday when I'm going into to the, the Saturday school, and I just, I just, it just makes me wonder, you know, is that, how safe is that building? Mm. Um, you know, what are the chances? I mean, we saw last week uh, there was a, a, a set of flats in Barking. Uh, luckily, there was uh, no one harmed. Well, no, no, normally, I think if if you read, uh, I guess uh, the literature, and you know, these these flats are designed to to basically prevent fire from, from spreading. So there are mechanisms in place that if there is a fire, it's localized, minimizes sort of uh, uh, you know the the deaths, etc. Uh, but in this case, somehow those 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 safeguards appear to have been overlooked, and, and yeah. the whole thing was was just spread in these yeah. flammable material. I think one of the abiding memories, of course, is uh, our, uh, our Prime Minister Theresa May going to see the firefighters, and we uh, her just being totally helpless, uh, you know, trying her best to comfort those involved. And you remember hearing stories about the fire hoses. They and couldn't the ladders, reach, could they? Yeah, they, they, they couldn't, couldn't reach. Yeah, they couldn't so, do nothing at all. Yes. So, in effect, right, the firemen, unwittingly, I have to say, uh, were giving the advice to these people to stay indoors, right? Because, You're right, yeah. Uh, and and uh, at the same time, they couldn't do anything themselves. So, in effect, they were telling these guys to wait and die, mm. uh, which I think, to me, still haunts me because you know these people. If you think about it, these people could see the the fire, you know. Uh, uh, escalating, uh, and then you know the instructions they're given is just stay where you are. We'll come and get you. But they've got yeah. no means of getting. There, to them. Yeah, there, I mean there are one or two stories, and if you if you walk around the area, you'll still see um, photographs of the of those that have passed on um, that still adorn the area. And you know the, it really really brings some humanity to those seventy two victims. And there were some elderly victims, and there, 
as well. Um, and you can imagine that they probably didn't have the mobility at that time. And, and, and um, you mm, know, yeah. they probably had relatives that said to them, look, you're going to be okay. Just stay where you are. The advice close, is close uh, your door, right? Yeah, and put then, wet uh, towels underneath. Towel yeah. yeah, 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 those type of things. And 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 sooner or later, you know, th- you know that the smoke would have uh, would have ta- taken effect mm. and uh, taken those lives. It's, um, I mean, there's always uh, in 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 this. Um, I, I suppose we always need to look at the, uh, look at the hope and you know stay hopeful that you know there are some learning experiences from this. Mm. Um, we you know from what I see in the area, it's it's a community that seems to be a lot more connected. It's it's a community that you know rich and poor. It seems uh, black and white, and every sure, every shade sure. in between. People are are coming together. Um, you know, Grenfell now is a is is a is a term that Londoners use to describe that. Uh, sense of pride that Londoners mm-hmm. have in how you come together, you know that that spirit of the the so, blitz, you know that how everyone used to used to mark in. Well, this is th- th- this is now you know 70, 80, 70, 80 years on from the the World War Two, the, the the mentality that the Britons had there as well. But it's it's of course overshadowed by this mm. grave, grave tragedy. So t- tell us what you do then. You, you, you're a volunteer there. Right? Yes, yes. It's, so it's a, long, it's a long way from Luton. It is. It is. Well, I I, I have a, a little bit of a side story. I I'm a, I'm a football writer, um, okay. and so I cover Chelsea Football Club, Fulham, oh, right, okay. and those clubs uh, in 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 London, uh, primarily Chelsea. However, so I, I I'm a volunteer. I'm I'm one of the uh, management team at a, the Saturday School, the City Circle um, Saturday School, which runs out of Al Manar. So we have, as Abdurrahman says, we have about eighty. Maybe seventy or eighty young so people from quite, from the area that come in, and we we provide English, maths, and uh, Islamic studies support to them. They they are from the area. They from primarily the Egyptian, Moroccan, um, Algerian those those communities. A few Pakistani, Bangladeshi as well. These these are people that you know they they're relatively you know disadvantaged. So mm-hmm. so the reason why I do this is because you know I I do want to support. I do come from a background in. Education and uh, and and I, I do I do want to support a, a project like that and it just so happens that I get to finish there do do my do my bit for a couple of hours and then head on to the very shamelessly move on to uh, down the road to uh, SW6 uh, or whatever the postcode is in Chelsea and and cover cover the football there as well it's it's a, it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a stark contrast to uh, you know the um, the area around uh, mm-hmm. Al It's Al is kind of strange. It's buried away in a a little industrial park, uh, which you, I'd never really known of when I've driven through. It's um, as I say, it's, it's sort of uh, you've got Portobello Road Market, you've got Colborne Road, very fashionable. It's got very trendy feel to it, um, sort of almost bohemian. Uh, and well, the way that everyone everyone seems to have one of these fashionable hipster beards or a very fashionable dog that they're carrying, but uh, and lots of coffee shops and you know it's it's a nice area. People are very very nice, but. Grandfather kind of kind of exposed well, those know, little what, frailties we have. Well, one thing I find right is is that um, whenever I travel in, in London, it, it's like you're travelling right with blinkers on because because you got tall buildings around. Uh, you know, the next street might be the Parliament, but you have got no clue whatsoever right where you are because yeah. it's like you know. And and I can imagine because it's 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 high rise buildings and and you know there's a lot 
you don't get that geographical 3D picture of where you are, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I can imagine you can get kind of lost in it, and you think, well, one minute you're this type of an environment, the next minute yes. you're quite, quite, you know, poor suburbs and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 Tower, the 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 other building that was created around the same time, is has got a kind of a really dystopian look about it. It's something like a, something out of a in the late 1970s sci-fi or something like that it's 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 uh, it was built by the same architect and um it it overlooks the the whole area as well so any 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 photographs you've got of um Notting Hill festival will will feature the Trellick tower as well the Grenfell was a couple of, you know a mile or two away and it's mm. it's just a nondescript tower block but you know it's it's a name that's now synonymous with yeah. I suppose a lot of things that are wrong with our society, including this vast chasm between rich and poor, and and the irony, uh, mm. tragic irony, is that you know it happened in an area where the gap between rich and poor is so so vast. Mm. Only a mile down the road, you have you know Kensington Palace. It's you know it isn't you know that ten fifteen minute walk in in that area, and you you don't th- you don't think you're in the same. Same land. It's mm. it, it is that vast, mm. and you're right. You know, sometimes you can get lost in lost in all of that, especially if you're a boy from Luton uh, that I am. Mm. But you know, I, I I look at I look at the whole area very very different. I've got that uh, connection. I can't I can't say that I I can feel the pain of the families. I don't know anyone that that lost their their lives, but I know that a lot of our students have 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 families that, that that they know of and as i say you know the almanar is 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 a right place for, uh, for you know there's a lot's going on in 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 that center now uh, a lot of a lot of families a lot of lot of uh, there's a real sense of purpose that you know this is what a masjid is really really meant to do is meant to be that hub for the community sure so now, i guess the other thing that's quite visible is and i think if you're traveling in london you'll see this um, the the question comes to mind is is you know this this place why uh, I guess investigations I guess still going on but you would have thought they would demolish it and and build something new there or I don't know it's uh, it's, it's it's going to be very very sensitive um, it, is, it, it? it is it is a building that you know if you nearby we have Shepherd's Bush Westfield as well you know there's a, a, a you know a tube and train track that runs straight past it. Uh, the, the West Way, which is the, the overpass that sort of connects Hammersmith to Edgware Road and that sort of area, runs straight past it. It's still very, very visible, and it's got this um, huge message, you know. You know well, I'm glad uh, that, they have that now because it, yeah. for such a long time it was just like a burnt-out building, wasn't it? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I remember leaving uh, uh, with a, uh, a friend, um, uh, leaving Westfield, and as you're leaving, you can, and it was evening, you could see the shadows of the buildings and uh, the lights on, and then you you could see it was I think it was around sunset and you could see one building in particular that that just it was just this gray dark shadow not a single light on and it, this was a few months after after the fire and it, it really really just it, 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 you you oh. you got that real real disheartening dismaying feeling that you know what that's that's a site that forever would become synonymous they, I mean they can't do anything with the area can they mm. uh, it has to over time it will be dismantled and maybe there'll be some sort of appropriate tribute to those people laid there I think that will be the best way forward but at the moment I think those you know it's just too sensitive at the moment to, to really do anything with and I'm, and I'm sure the inquest inquest will go on for for a while yet Mm. But I think it's appropriate that they've actually covered it in, in that particular way. And I think it, yes. it, it kind of, 
kind of changes the mood a little bit, yeah. doesn't it? It's 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 a very very nice logo. Grenfell has has mm. got its own logo. It's a green heart, but yeah. in the kind of TFL sort of transport from London livery. So it's it's got that. Um, there is no Grenfell tube stop, but you know the, it's it's very sort of it plays on that sort of uh, look and and it's become synonymous synonymous with everyone that's connected. The green um, is something that I've seen pictures from the the vigil. I wasn't able to make it down today, but the vigil that and the silent walk. That, that that was held today. I've seen images. I've seen Sadiq Khan as well. He's he's got that sort of particular. It's a kind of like a Robin Hood green. Uh, that's that's the the color. And it's you know I, I was there last year for the one year uh, one year anniversary vigil, and it was it's really great to see people come together. But that sense of that sense of um, anger, that frustration with the pace of the inquiries. Is still is still lingering and it needs to be sorted um, really really quickly. And amongst all this Brexit chaos and everything that's going on, we you know we don't want for our government to forget that they they, they have a duty to, mm. to to you know whether it's local councillors or the local council or the uh, the manufacturers of the cladding or the or the people who signed off the, uh, the 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 paperwork to ensure that these that building was okay, mm. uh, habitable. Whoever is uh, somebody needs to be held to account, and we can't we can't. I mean, we don't want to be here in a year's time and still no progress having mm. been made. But I mean, that, that, that's the thing that came out quite clearly from Zeta's discussion was that they're looking for somebody to be held accountable. But I think the thought process that got to my mind was, it's a fire, right? Is there going to be anybody there who, who could categorically, you could categorically say, right, it was you, you're the one, right, who's the who's the most responsible, I guess. Would it ever be possible to do that? Um, I, I, I don't think these things sort of work like that. I think that, yeah. they, you know, I mean, uh, where Hillsborough is concerned, that, that, I mean, I think one of the uh, the, the chief police officers who was uh, had overall command on the day, I think he... He's someone that the fingers have been pointed at, but of course, you know, it's there, a systems was, failure, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a systematic failure and and a combination of factors, mm. you know, right down to you know that that faulty washing machine or that f- faulty fridge, you know. But I'll, the su- suspicion is right that that um, the the council or the people within the council, and this is what I alluded to in my discussion with Zeta and, and yourself as well, is the fact that uh, you know. The council somehow wanted these people to leave. I think that's in some of the documentaries as well. It's come out the fact that you know they weren't responding to the requests and they weren't dealing with it. Mm. Um, but I guess in reality, it may well be that that the council is overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the residents and, and there's been a, a few interviews, one or two notable individuals that that are that speak about how these concerns have been raised time and time again with the. Um, residents association and how these have fallen on deaf ears and ultimately those are the conversations that really matter and, and that's where things have been things were halted um, if it, if it had been full of you know rich people would we still you know will we still be yeah, finger pointing yeah. but these weren't rich mm. people these were people that that were from the poorest families in the one of the poorest parts of london and they're not with us anymore, and they don't have that voice. But we have people like Zeta. We have people like the the various representatives of the, of the families that are still fighting that fight. Mm, I think it need it needs to it needs to get to a conclusion, really, because 
um, you know, like they say, it needs some sort of a closure. And, and if if the, the council officials or whatever were to blame, and I'm not saying they were, yeah. uh, if, they were de- if, they, if there was misjudgment or malice even, right, uh, it needs to come out. And I think unless that comes out, I think people are still going to think, well, you know, you know, it was him or it was her or it was because of this or it was because because of that, yeah. and that will carry on. And if it if it carries on like that, it's it's gonna generate that that sense of um, you know, um, I guess foreboding, I guess isn't it, a sense of sense of distress for for people going forward in terms of well, if it's happened here, uh, you know, if the systems that broke aren't fixed, it will happen somewhere else, and it will happen somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. And there's reports today, obviously coinciding with the two year anniversary, and that speak about how. There are other tower blocks elsewhere uh, around London and and other parts of the country. It's such a shame, though, isn't it? Because I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, the 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 thing that has been isolated in all of this is the fact that it was those cladding that escalated the fire, mm. right? And that's that's uh, one thing that's one black and white thing that's come out of this by looks of things so far. Yes. Although I guess it's, it's probably still been de- debated. Yeah, uh, but it, it, if, I think the cladding contributed towards the. Uh, Accelerated, accelerated the fire. The yeah, fire. Yeah. So, so that's the case. That's a learning. Yes. And if it's, if that's a learning, right? Then I think you know. I guess that should yeah. be should be applied elsewhere to to prevent such a tragedy again. Yeah. And I, I'm hoping over time we we start we start hearing those sorts of elements of the inquiry coming about how you know it was signed off that cladding was was approved, and hopefully that report will have the names of. Of people's and organisation that 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 signed that off as well, but it's I just sense a, 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 a you know this is you know going to be kicked into the long grass and it's it's quite disheart- disheartening because you know we still have families that are living in temporary accommodation. We you know we heard earlier on that's shocking. That yeah, is really, that, really that shocking. there were families that were that were living in hotels that they could see the the tower early on as well. I mean it's it's those sorts of things that just really really bring it bring it home that you know there there were there were some this was a tragedy and a, a generational thing something that we for the rest of our lives are going to be associating with a, absolutely a broken bridge well jazakallah khair ahmad uh, for your your thoughts and your discussion point uh, and listeners um that's the end of the show today uh, i'm afraid uh, if you enjoyed it um then obviously sort of uh, let us know email text uh, whatever you can uh, if you didn't enjoy it, then obviously let us know as well so I can go home and relax and rest on, on Friday evenings. <laughs> Jazakallah have for listening today. Uh, until next week, Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to Friday Night Live, uh, and this was Safar Iqbal. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at inspirefmluton.